on the air. I'm your host, Pam Staff. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today has been just an amazing day of interviews. Um, If you haven't looked on my Facebook page or on the Authors on the Air page, this morning, um, uh, nationally acclaimed and highly awarded poet and author Irene O'Garden interviewed two amazing American poets for the Miami Book Fair. We all we support them every year and oh my god, what a delight those interviews were. I hope you go and look them up. If you don't find my pages, please go to soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air. But I think I'm the lucky one because I get to speak to my friend Tosca Lee, who is a New York Times bestselling author. She was a guest on this show before in conversation with author Stina Holmes. She's also been a guest on another show I produced called Thrill Seekers with author Alex Dolan. She has graced my studio today. So welcome to Authors on the Air, Tosca. Thank you so much for having me. So great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you every time before. It's kind of been like an introduction in the green room. We never really had a chance to talk. So I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, Yay. uh, Yay. Uh, In the green room, we were talking about stepdaughters and how lucky we are to have them. Um, And one of the reasons is, uh, well, I always said, because I never wanted to get pregnant. I was scared to. (laughs) So I ended up with the most magnificent stepdaughter who recently had a church wedding. Um, and there, I posted a picture of she and my gorgeous son-in-law and my um, two grandkids on my Facebook page. They are a blessing. I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Oh, I love it. So I um, think I just told you recently that I acquired four stepchildren when I married my husband just three years ago. And I hadn't had any children of my own. So, and it's so funny because when that happened and I told my agent, look, I'm getting married and I'm going to um, be marrying a single father. So I'm now going to have four kids. He goes, oh, there go your deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's not true though. No, you, know you, you, you've kept up on I, your deadlines, I've, I've haven't made you? Them somehow. I, I will yeah. say that every, every book. And as I get older, every deadline is a little harder and I'm more tired each time, but um, I I love it. So we have um, just the two boys at home now because the oldest boy left for college, and my stepdaughter is is living on her own as well. She's 24 now. So um, it was hard though having the oldest one go off to college. I I mean I've only been in his life since he was 11, but it was difficult. I have to say. You have twins too, don't you? I do. I've got twins. They're 15. And oh they gosh. are, yeah, they're, D- they're not identical. Double, they're fraternal. Double the trouble yeah. of twins, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. You have, you and have there's two, a teenage boy age now, so they eat everything, too. So they're hungry oh all God. the time. 
You have two aliens <laughs> in your house <laughs> that may not know, be identical, but still. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you love them when they get into college, but you miss them anyway, don't you? <laughs> yes. And, you know, this, this last weekend, our college son just came back, and I was so happy because, I don't know, I mean, I, I've just... I don't. I, I keep saying every week, like, do you think you'll come home and visit? And maybe I shouldn't encourage that, but I, I don't know. I kind of course like you should. <laughs> of course yeah. you should. Of course yeah. you should. I, I, you know, <laughs> I think that's wonderful. It's hard to be a stepmom when, and my uh, daughter's birth mom is still in the picture, and she and I are friendly. Mm-hmm. We're not friends. We don't live in the same city, but um, mm-hmm. we both recognize that each of us contributed to her growing into this wonderful human being, so that's kind of nice, you know, mm-hmm. that that we can say that. Yeah. So, so you know, speaking of deadlines, when you first <laughs> started writing, your first book obviously was not on a deadline because you didn't have a right. publisher at that point. So right. mm-hmm. you knocked out your first book and did whatever you had to do, and finally you got published. Did mm-hmm. you think the deadline was going to be a good taskmaster for you? <laughs> I think um, it's, I've I've known for a long time that I'm not a very disciplined person, so um, I knew that that would probably be a good thing for me. That said, I, I'm still not a very disciplined person, and so I don't really – like deadlines, but without them, I would never get anything done. I mean, that first novel, I wrote the first draft in six weeks, but then I rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it while I tried to get published for about 60 years. So, you know, thank goodness for deadlines. Otherwise, I would, you know, I do have obsessive compulsive disorder. So uh, for real, and I would just pick at something forever. So, wow. So yeah. what must your writing process be like if you um, are picking at <laughs> everything? Do you have an assistant who helps you work through that, who will say, okay, mm-hmm. tick-tock, get on, get on mm-hmm. the clock, Ma? You know, is, is that how I it works have for you? Some, yeah, I do have friends that are editors that I rely on, and I always have at least one of my editor friends read through my manuscript before I turn it in. And for many, many years, I mean, my my best editor ally has always been Stephen Perolini, who is also a brilliant author. And he knows my writing so well. And so that's been really, really helpful. Um, the rough draft is actually not my favorite part of writing. I know a lot of authors love that part, but I really like editing and rewriting and revision because that's when you get to pick. So, yeah, you yeah. you you really fine tune the book that way, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Had you, had you always wanted to write Tosca? No, <laughs> I wanted to be a ballerina, and I was super serious about this. And I I used to dance with the Omaha Ballet. Um, I grew up in Nebraska, but then I would spend my summers in Kansas City and New York, and you know, so I really was very serious about that until I had an injury when I was 14. And I also grew a lot in one year, like six inches. And so things really changed and it kind of became apparent maybe that wasn't going to work out. And so I went off to college thinking that I would go into business or advertising. Um, at some point, one of my parents said, maybe you should try to become a news anchor. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. But it was during my freshman year and I was back for spring break talking with my father, who's um, a professor, business management professor. And I was saying, you know, I love great books because they're like roller coaster rides and they've got these twists and turns. And 
I just thought, you know, maybe I could do that for somebody else. And I blurted out, you know, I think I'd like to write a book. And so that's kind of how it started. And my dad said to me that day, okay, look, I'll make you a deal. I was supposed to work at a bank that summer as a bank teller for the second summer in a row. I had this job lined up and my dad said, look, if you will take the summer and write your first book and treat it like a job and do it full time, I will pay you what you would have made working at the bank. And that was a no brainer. So I did it and I wrote my oh first my novel. Gosh. Yeah. How, now, which is your first published book? My first published book was Demon, a Memoir, which is not the book I wrote that summer because that book is in my basement with the skeleton still where it's going to remain forever. So, because it's, it's bad. Let's just be honest here. It's bad. But that yeah. book, Demon and Memoir, turned out to be a bestseller for you. And um, you've got almost across the board five-star ratings on it. Oh, I was very fortunate. And, but I have to say, you know, I always say to writers, you know, start writing your next book while you're you're trying to publish your first one, because I didn't do that. And so there I was trying to write the second one while the first one was out and it was getting this attention and it was very distracting and intimidating. And um, I should have done that differently, I think. So yeah. Well, well, now you learn. Your your first mm-hmm. books were paranormal, for the most part. They were paranormal. They were also I did ancient biblical history, um, right? Historicals. So, um, yeah, I I did those for the first oh four, three or four, and then I did a trilogy with Ted Decker, which was dystopian, and uh-huh. then I switched to thrillers. Yeah, and you you switch to thrillers, and again you have uh, across the board five star ratings. Um, the newest one, A Single Light, which is the second book, um, the line between, um, mm-hmm. across the board, without a doubt, five star reviews. So, which begs the question: Being obsessive compulsive, do you read your <laughs> reviews? Um. Sometimes. Sometimes I do. Um, it depends where I am kind of in the process of things. If I am writing or creating and you're kind of in that vulnerable place, I may not do it. So, right. um, you know, sometimes it's better to just not do that because it really plays with your mind. And you I'm have sure to it does. be confident, you know, when you're writing, yes. you need to write and create from a place of confidence. Sure. So it just depends. <laughs> You like books, obviously. You like to read. So why the genre change up? You know, um, I like reading different genres and I like writing different genres. And, you know, quite honestly, when you're writing ancient historicals, they take a lot of research. And I really like to get the research right. So we're talking a huge time investment. And, you know, you still have to research your thrillers, too. But... Um, you know, you don't have to look up like what people are eating or wearing because you have a pretty good idea about that already. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, wanted to change it up. And, you know, I always say like, I don't want to eat sushi every day. I don't want to eat hamburgers every day. I don't want to read or write the same kind of thing every day. And it drives publishers crazy when you change genres because they don't want you to do that. <laughs> but, oh, well. So this is book two of The Line Between. Will there be a third, or will you move on to something else? 
I'm going to move on to something else for now. I'm, these books are in development for TV, and so if they were to go all the way through and get made, and if there was a huge demand for another one, okay, twist my arm, I'll write another one. And I sure. love the main character. You know, so she's very hard to leave behind, and she's named after my stepdaughter. Her name's Winter with a Y. Aww. And so that was hard to kind of let go of, but um, no, it's done for now. So... And so you you've been optioned and you is it in production or are you still in the option phase? Well, right now the the team are getting ready to pitch to networks for TV. Fabulous. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Oh, We've wonderful. got a showrunner. He's fabulous. He wrote for Fringe and The Strain and he's just smart and excellent and um so I'm excited to see what happens. Now, when you, uh, because I don't know this process, when you option for television or film, um, do you have the choice of being in on the script or screenwriting, or is it taken out of your hands completely? Well, this is something I'm learning as I go, too. Um, so I've been really fortunate that our production team, which is Radar Pictures, they did the Jumanji remake, and mm-hmm. Ed Burns's group, they worked together um, they've been really generous with keeping me in the loop. Our showrunners have been really wonderful with um, reaching out whenever they have questions and sharing their thoughts and ideas. So I feel like I'm in the loop, but honestly, it's really it's really up to them. It's so they're letting you know what they're doing and and kind of gauging your reaction. But but they will do mm-hmm. ultimately what they want, correct? Yeah, they will because. You know, they're the ones who've acquired the rights. And so, um, you know, but I have great trust for them. I mean, we have a a great team and the people um, that have come in on the projects are just fabulous. So, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really cool with it because, you know, it's like designing a playground that you went and played on and did all this stuff. And now you're giving that playground over to them to see what they want to do. And I'm excited to see what, what happens. Wow, that's a really that's a really nice um, analysis. You know, a kind of a analogy there. I never thought about it like it's that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, what are you writing next? Well, during um, so I had had kind of a lull between my progeny duology, which are the progeny and firstborn, um, mm-hmm. which is two thrillers, and then the line between in a single light. So. I actually uh, co-wrote a World War II um, novel, which is kind of a departure for me and new. And um, so we're trying to find a home for that one now, and it's because it's done, and I think it's a really compelling story. So there's that, and then I've got a um, – it's kind of a mashup of, of, of the two genres I've done. It's a medieval thriller that I'm working on right now. So it's got the historical aspect and the thriller aspect. How do you ever research something like that? How do you, Mm -hmm. what is it you look for when you research something historical, Tosca? Mm -hmm. Well, I try to go to the places if I can. So for instance, when I wrote The Progeny, which is, happens all over Eastern Europe, I was, I was in Croatia and I was in Hungary and I was in Bratislava and I was going all over. I took my mom and and went. So there's that. Um, I also recruit experts um, to be able to ask them questions and uh, I do a lot of reading. Um, I track down a lot of resources, whether they are, you know, 
books or academic works. Just, I mean, I, I, I find that part really fun, and I follow a lot of rabbit trails. Interesting. So you don't rely on Google. You want boots on the ground, so to speak. When I can, I do. Now, I did write a story about the Queen of Sheba, and it's um, a large part of it is set in Yemen. So I wasn't able to go there because it's no. just not safe. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I do as much as I can. And when I can't, I, I pull in experts. So, for instance, with the medieval thriller, um, I happened to my, my college uh, advisor, I went to Smith College in Massachusetts, um, is mm-hmm. a medievalist. So I actually just reached out to him and I was like, hey, because, you know, th- they know each other and they know all the other people. And so um, I love being able to to reach out to experts and academics and, and pick their brains. And, you know, they have all this this knowledge that they love to share. So it works out great. Oh, how wonderful. Do you love sitting down to write or do you are you happiest when you put the end on your whip? <laughs> um, I'm happiest when I put the end because it means that I've got some raw material now. And by raw, I mean raw because my first drafts are yucky. They're not pretty at all. <laughs> but it means I've got something that I can now finally start shaping into something worth reading, hopefully. So that's the fun part. Is, is your draft, your first draft, is it more, is it longer than you ha- want it to be? Or do you find that you're mm-hmm. cutting and then adding to the to the draft? Yeah, so, you know, uh, that's a really good question. I used to, I used to grossly overwrite my first draft. Mm-hmm. And when I say grossly, I mean by hundreds of pages. So my first draft of Iscariot, the story about uh, uh, Judas, um, the betrayer of Jesus Christ, was 800 and some pages. So, (gasps) you know, most publishers don't want that, you know. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. These days, though, I've learned. I mean, it's it's something you kind of learn along the way, too. I mean, you get a better feel and you get more experienced. And you learn not to do that and to be more economical with your your space and your words and you know you're not writing in circles trying to find what happens next because you've got a better idea so I think a lot of it's just you know kind of maturing into the career and the craft and and learning yeah do you do book signings I do I do book signings and also one thing I I've done a lot of this year that I just love is um library visits because there are such wonderful communities at the library um yes. and it gets you out into the community where you get to see like all these wonderful resources at in other cities and towns and and you get to see all the exciting things and programs that they're doing there that go way beyond just having books on the shelf what do people ask the most commonly asked question when you're doing a book signing or reading at a library? Mm. Um, well, they ask, how did I, how did I first get published? I think, I think people are always curious, especially those who are interested in writing are always and curious. Books, how did this happen? Yeah. Right. And it's, it's interesting because it's such a, a personal journey for every single writer because 
it's always a little bit of diligence and a little bit of luck and a little bit of just working really hard at it. And so everybody's path is a little different. So yes. I think that question, and then I get asked because because my readers often follow me on Instagram and stuff. I get asked questions about my giant German Shepherd Timber, who's 140 right. pounds. Yeah, and so I get asked questions about farm life because I'm married to a farmer and live on a farm. But but that's like a horse. You can use your dog as a plow horse. You really could. He's like (laughs) pony-sized, basically. I mean, if he lays on the floor, he's the same size as me. So, yeah. Oh, my God. If you cuddle him, he makes a good body pillow. <laughs> but you've got you've got yeah. two fifteen year olds and a dog of hundred and forty pounds. You your mm-hmm. your book profits are going to food and feed. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> They're all getting eaten. We all like to eat. Oh and and we've got another to dog eat. too and yeah. Oh jeez. It's, it's all going. Oh, oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Um, Life in Nebraska. There you go. I, that's I forgot yeah. you were in Nebraska. Of course, of I, course. Um, yeah. Tell us something that we don't know about you that we'd be surprised to learn. Oh, gosh. Well, um, you know, I first started writing for a computer magazine out of college, so that's kind of how I learned the process of the publishing thing. I wrote two computer books before I ever wrote my first novel. So what kind of computer that. books? Well, I wrote um, a book about online services back in the very early, early days of like AOL. And then there were other services too, called like prodigy and some other yes. ones like that. Do you remember those? Yeah. Oh, so sure. CompuServe and everybody else, of course. CompuServe, yes. Thank you. Yes, Earthlink, that I remember this all is, of them. <laughs> this is before the internet was mainstream. So if you wanted right. to be on a service like this, that was the way you did it. And right. it was kind of like a closed community. So I wrote about those. And I wrote about how my other book was about how computers process and produce sound. <laughs> so it's kind of a weird... <laughs> I'm raising my but, hand here. I'm raising my mm-hmm. hand. How did you, how and why did you decide mm-hmm. to write computer books? Had that been your major in college? No. I, and I took computer programming and almost failed. So what happened is when I, I came back after college and I got married and to my first husband and I was looking for a job. And I was interested in being a writer because I had written this novel and I had tried to submit it and everything already. And I saw that they were hiring writers for this um, computer magazine called PC Novice. And later it was called Smart Computing. And it was published out of Nebraska. And um, they hired me not as a computer expert, but as someone who could write and put all this computer stuff into plain English, which I had to do because I was learning it myself as I did it. So that. That was my fascinating. first writing job. <laughs> That's fascinating. And I did learn a lot. <laughs> I imagine yeah. you did. And it's fascinating to me. So in an alternate universe, if there were no writers and books, would you be a computer geek of some sort? Or would mm. you go back to dance? Oh, gosh. Well, I of course, I really wanted to do that. But I really... I think that being a hacker would be a lot of fun. 
a white hat <laughs> no. hacker, I'm sure. A and, white hat hacker, um, yeah. right? Okay, as far as as far as you know, yes, a white hat okay. hacker. <laughs> <laughs> I think being a hacker would be fun. There you I go. And being a, a cook would be fun too, because I I always like to imagine that I'm a good cook, which I only learned how to do a little bit of late in life, and I don't know if I'm that good, but. But I in my cooking. fantasy life, yeah. Cook. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you're you're on a farm. Yeah. Are you on a, a farm that raises um, vegetables and fruit, or on you are you on a cattle farm or a horse farm? Oh, it is a corn and soybean farm. Soy. So, okay. Yep, I should know that in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wow. no animals except oh my the giant gosh. dog. <laughs> And the giant dog and the and the smaller the dog. The giant dog. And every now and then, there's like a random chicken that shows up in our yard, and you have to figure out where it came from. Or <laughs> I mean, oh, that's so funny. Exciting. Yeah. You have such an interesting <laughs> life. I'm so glad you came to talk to me today, even oh, though it was last so minute. Fun. I kind of did a a shout out for writers that I've not spoken to, and you jumped right in. And I said yes. Yep. Of of course, I'm going to have you on the show. Thank you yeah, for being available so quickly. So much. Oh, it it's was my just pleasure. been a lot of fun to talk to you, Tosca. And you um, listen, I, I hope everything goes well. And you find a home for your new books and um, keep writing and please come back. I will. Thank you so much for having me. Would on. you, I so appreciate my pleasure, it. will you please tell everyone your web address and where we can find you on social media? Absolutely. I'm at Tosca Lee, so that's T O S C A L E E dot com. And I'm on Facebook as author Tosca Lee and on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest as just Tosca Lee. So if you want to see the giant dog, go there. <laughs> there you go. Maya, I have one final question for you. It just dawned on me. Are you named after the opera? I am. My dad wanted to be an opera tenor and he became a business professor okay. instead, but oh he loved God. the opera. Oh my God, Tosca is one of my favorite operas too. I do too. I love the opera. Aww. So um, how wonderful! Give your dad a high five for me. I'm I'm so glad he did that. Yay. Tosca Lee, it's been such a joy to speak to you. Thank you so much for being at on Authors on oh, the Air. I want to so thank much. my thank listeners. You for me. Pleasure and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.